Okay, go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to Matthew 27. Obviously today is Easter. You guys have a lot of family plans. I don't want to have a long uh, extended uh, sermon today because I know those things are going on and uh, respect that. And I know you're going to have a great time with your families doing all kinds of different things. But uh, obviously on Easter you preach on the resurrection, right? And so I'm going to be preaching about the resurrection, but uh, in this angle, I'm going to be looking at a particular group of people uh, that were at the resurrection, making some observations about them, and all the ladies will be excited because I'm preaching on the magnificent women, uh, or, or uh, subtitled, the stars of the show, uh, other than Jesus, of course. Now, uh, as, as we get our, our minds going here a little bit, um, let's, uh, let's get our mind into the, the, uh, the, the cross and the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and that kind of thing. Who are some of the uh, characters that you remember that are at that, those scenes? John is there. The Apostle John. Uh, Mary, uh, obviously one of the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. Right? Who else? Uh, yeah, the other criminals that are on the uh, the other two crosses. That's correct. You got the Roman soldiers. Of course, early in the uh, proceedings, Pilate and Herod that were involved in the uh, actual condemnation of Jesus that led uh, to the Romans having the uh, the legal authority to execute him by crucifixion, which is what was going on. Anybody else you can think of? Barabbas. He was there. And of course, Jesus is there as well. Now we're going to read through, as we get our mind into this a little bit, we're going to read through the story, and then I'll come back and I'm going to make some observations here about the women that I think are really good for us today. Matthew 27, verse. we'll begin reading in verse 45. You guys there? Okay, here we go. From the sixth hour into the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. She filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion... And those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joseph. And just a footnote there, that's Mary the mother of Jesus. And the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb 
that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now have I not told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests met with the elders and they devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will, uh, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So in this we have the story of the latter part of the crucifixion, Jesus' death, and the events that led up into His resurrection. As you read through that, it's really a fascinating read of how the, the, uh, uh, the Jewish uh, religious leaders tried to come up with a plan they thought would explain everything away. Of course, that didn't explain it all away. You see the, the, uh, the reactions of the different people. And if, if you're like me, you read through that, and, and I relate with some of those reactions. Uh, wow, this is just so far out of the norm of anything that people go th- that, that we go through in life and dealing with life and death. And, and the, the events surrounding all that, some of them doubted. Some of them were just so, so afraid 
You know, it says that, that, that the, uh, the Roman soldiers were so afraid that they just passed out. That they were so afraid with what was going on and so shook up with all that was going on. But as you read through that, without a doubt, the star of the show, or the stars of the show, are the women. You know, all through Jesus' life, these women were with Him, taking care of His physical needs and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and they were around. But the stars of the show during that time were the apostles, right? The disciples that Jesus was working with and the stories surrounding them and all that. You really didn't hear much about the women. But in this circumstance, the circumstance of, of the resurrection, the women just come on. And they are outstanding in what they do. Look at verse uh, 8 there. And we're going to make note of this a little bit later. It says, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were afraid, yet you were so excited at the same time? For, for some of us who are a little bit older, we may have to think back to when we were younger. But running... And running in your own mind, like your feet almost weren't touching the ground. You're running so fast. <sighs> That's what these women were like. They were so happy at this particular moment. And, and like I said, we're going to make note of that before. Uh, again, a little bit later. Look over to John chapter 20. We have John's telling of this story. We have a really interesting little comment here. In John 20, in verse 14. This is, uh, well, let's pick it up in verse 10 to catch the context. So then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. So the disciples actually go home. And Mary hangs around. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw the two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Wow. So she hangs around. She finally gets the courage to sort of peek around the corner. And looks in. And what does she see? The angel sitting there. They ask her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put Him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. So she's looking at two angels. She turns around and there's Jesus. And she is so shook up at that particular moment, she didn't even recognize Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell him where you put him and I will get him. Wow. She saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and she didn't even realize it was Jesus. Let's go over to Luke 24. I tell you, the women are, are the stars of the show. You've got these women, man. They're, they're hanging around. The disciples go home. Yeah. They're like, well, let's have lunch. <laughs> but the women hang around. Let's pick it up in verse 9. It says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. So the women saw all these things. And then they're telling the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and, and uh, others who were with them and told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however... 
got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The women, they're the stars, guys. Not the apostles. And I think these women have some things to teach us. I'm going to make three observations here about these women. Hopefully it will be helpful for you in your life as you think about these things. Number one, they understood the big picture. They just didn't get everything. They knew Jesus had been resurrected. They just didn't understand all the specifics of what was going on around them. They sort of felt, I think, at moments, the way everyone in this room, at moments in your life that you feel, is you feel like, I don't get it. Can you think back to a time in your life where you were embarrassed, thinking, everybody seems to get this but me? You ever have that feeling in your life? They got the big picture. Let me tell you what the big picture is of Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Take out the world and put your name. God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son. And then a great passage over in the book of Acts about this whole thing. Look over to Acts 17. This is the big picture. Let's narrow it down, right? Let's get down and let's get the big stuff. Let's get the most important thing here. God loves you. In Acts 17, verse 24, this is the Apostle Paul as he's preaching to some people. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything, because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man He made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this. Here it is. God did this. So that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Though He is not far from each one of us. The big picture is that God loves you. You don't have to understand that. That's just real. Whether you understand it or not doesn't have any bearing on whether it's real. God loves you whether you love Him back or not. Or whether you recognize Him or not. And this passage that Paul's explaining to these people as he's preaching, he says that God, the God who created everything, has set in place and in time and events in every single person's life where they can come to a time where they learn enough about Him to make a decision to love Him and to appreciate Him. There's not a person that becomes a Christian that doesn't have a story to tell about their conversion story of how all these things seem to come together in their life. You met that person. You, you had that circumstance. You had the things happen so that you were open at that time and you learned about God in your life. 
And you are ready to make a decision. You are ready to make a commitment. You are ready to look at your life. I remember that so clearly in my mind. I grew up in a house and went to church all the time. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I was sort of the teenager. My teenagers are down here, wonderful teenagers. I love them. I was a teenager that sat on the back row, or at least far back as my parents would let me, and didn't like it. And would sit there sometimes, and I would think, I don't want to be here, I would rather go home. I don't like that person because of this. I don't like that person because of this. I don't like that person. You know, I just go through the rows. You know? (laughs) Didn't have what you'd call a real open attitude. If you would have polled my senior class at high school, who is likely to become a Christian? I would not have been in the top ten. <laughs> right. But you know, it's funny how down the road, you, 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 know, you, get, you go to college, you have things happen in your life, you begin to experience life more in independent life, in your own life, you can't blame everything that happens in your life on your parents. You know, it really wasn't your parents' fault that, you know, you didn't do a good job in that class and got a bad grade or something like that, you know. There's no way you can twist it enough to blame it on mom. And you realize, I guess some of the problems in my life are my own fault. That, That right there is like a big moment for a lot of people. Oops. This is, this is just me. And you realize, I'm more open now to the idea of a Savior than I ever have been before. I wonder why. But see, that's what he says. The big picture is God loves you. God is going to set the circumstances involved in your life. You to meet the right people, the right circumstance for you to become a Christian. And then the, the other part of the big picture I, I would want you to understand is the big picture is Ephesians chapter 2. Where it says we're saved by grace and not by works. There's not a person ever that can be a good enough person to deserve Jesus to die on the cross for them. Ever. We're saved by God's mercy, not by our wonderfulness. Here's the thing though, and this first little thing I want you to understand about these women. Why are they remarkable here? It's really for something that uh, we can all do this. They showed up. They showed up. The apostles went home. They showed up. Yeah, someone wrote a book a few years ago. Some of you may even know the book. Something about, you know, like 90% of life is showing up. You know, it's some quote like that or or that kind of a thing. They showed up. They, They were actually there. Now, they weren't always stars while they were there. They were crying the whole time. And the angels and Jesus both say, why are you guys crying? This is good news. And they're still crying. So it wasn't like they were wonderful all the time. But they showed up. I want to talk to some of you out there that you think of yourself, and I know you do, you think of yourself as I'm not a really good Christian. Let me give you the good news. 
You showed up. Amen. You're here. Amen. If you think that there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to say, you know, I'm pretty much an awesome Christian. That's not going to happen. Because the more you grow as a Christian, the more you become aware of your life, of who you are. There were things that went on in your life when you were not a Christian that you didn't even think about. Like selfishness. You were selfish and maybe even proud of yourself for being selfish. I'm a pretty selfish person. This is awesome. I get what I want. And then you realize as a child of God that Jesus called discipleship is to deny yourself. And so the older you grow as a Christian, the more mature you become as a Christian, you begin to understand more and more and looking at yourself that it's not a it's not a glamorous thing to be selfish. It's something that you need to be working on in your life. They showed up, guys. There's a lot to be said for just showing up. Secondly, I want us to see in these women, this is awesome. The people didn't believe them. They came back. They said, hey guys, Jesus is raised from the dead. We saw it. What's the reaction? What is wrong with you women? Huh? They didn't believe them. I guess they thought they were crazy or knuckleheads or something. You know how you feel when you know something and you tell people something and they don't believe you? You feel disrespected, don't you? No one likes to feel disrespected. We've all felt disrespected at different times. Sometimes we feel disrespected because we're young. Ah, you're young, you're young, you don't understand anything. Young people, can you relate a little bit to that? Is that the way you feel sometimes? Older people make you feel that way? Older people? Sometimes you're disrespected. You guys don't get it. You ever feel that way as an older person? You feel like things are going on so fast that you don't get it? Everything's going on around you? Do your children know more about your phone than you do? <laughs> you, you know, we, we actually happened the other day and, and, and they had to make a decision. Who was on our, our Verizon uh, thing as the names, you know, the people? Huh? The authorized users. And because of whatever we were doing there, one, one of them had to get off. And the person at Verizon said, well, I wasn't on this conversation, but they said, you should just take the person off who clearly would never call Verizon and want any uh, uh, changes to be made. <laughs> guess, guess who they thought that was? <laughs> oh, that's easy, Dad. <laughs> so I pay the bill now, but I can't call in. <laughs> I can't go in. So young people feel disrespected. Old people feel disrespected. Women, you ever feel disrespected because you're a woman? Oh, you're a woman. 
<laughs> you don't understand the real world. Man, do you ever feel disrespected because you're a man? Oh, you're just a primitive beast. What's wrong with you? You don't get anything, you stupid animal. You ever feel like you don't, you're not respected because you didn't go to college? You ever feel respected because you did? And didn't go to a nice enough college? Oh. You went to a state school. Isn't that nice? I mean, it's unbelievable. You ever feel disrespected because you're not married? Ooh. You don't really understand what's going on. You're not married. Or you don't have children. Ooh. So you don't understand. This, this thing of not being believed, not being respected, is a big deal. I want us to think of a little bit, three things here that Jesus did when people didn't respect Him. Okay? These are good things for you. Number one, He says, do unto others you would have them do unto you. If you want to be respected, show some respect. On purpose. Show people respect. Find something to respect people for. If you want to be respected, show respect. Secondly, when Jesus was confronted, you know the story of Jesus and the woman who's caught uh, in adultery, and they, they bring her in, and they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, it says this woman should be stoned. What do you think we should do? You know what Jesus did? What Jesus said? Nothing. He bent down and he started writing on the ground. I'll bet you that circumstance was unbelievably quiet. It went from them bringing this woman in, throwing her in, accusing her. And I mean, there must have been a stir going on. And and what do you say? And Jesus doesn't say anything. And He starts writing on the ground. Then He looks up. He says, You who is without sin, throw the first stone. And then He bent down and he, and he wrote on the ground again. You know, when you feel disrespected, the first thing you want to do is attack. Because you feel like you've been attacked. You feel like you've been slapped on the face. And what you want to do is you want to slap the snot out of them so bad. Come on! You want to go for it? Jesus gave us such a great example. There's times in life where the best thing you can say is nothing. Shut up. Give yourself a moment to collect your thoughts and then say something that would be appropriate. And that's what Jesus did. And then there's a great passage in Romans 12 where it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our world right now 
is in a habit. We've got a bad habit going on right now, particularly in our country, of speaking to each other with an incredible amount of judgment and disrespect. We better learn from Jesus, how do you handle that? How do we live in the world that we live in in today's society? Well, you do unto others, you would have them do unto you. Sometimes you speak back a lot slower than you normally would. And in your mind's eye, you overcome evil with good and not be overcome by evil. So these women, they showed up and secondly, they didn't give up. The apostles came, they looked around, they're like, huh, huh? Let's go home. The women are still there. They didn't give up. And then this last little thought here is that eventually they got fired up. They were full of fear, but they were also full of joy. There was an excitement. There was a, a, a thrill about... Jesus, He's not here. He's raised from the dead. <laughs> and it must have been like the hair on their, uh, on their arms was standing on end. Whoa! He's not here. He's raised from the dead. So they're fired up. They don't give up. They're showing up. These women are absolutely fantastic. Mary Magdalene. Mary, his mother. And it said there were others that, that, that went along. Probably as many as you know, four or five different women that were involved. In these women that were hanging around the resurrection scene of Jesus. And I hope they serve for us today as a little bit of, of sort of a, a type of, okay, what, what am I going to do in my life? How am I going to live my life? Well, let's think about that. Show up. Show up. College students, that means go to class. I know a lot of you know me well. You've heard this story before, but it's a great story. When I went to Eastern Illinois University, the wrestling coach told me when I asked him about I said, I'm a little nervous about doing the college schoolwork. And I, there was good reason for me to be worried about it. He said, don't worry about it. Go to class and do your homework and you'll graduate. He said, a lot of dumb people graduate from college every year. (laughs) Go to class. (laughs) Go to class and do your homework. And you know what? Over the many, many years of being in the ministry, I've been the campus minister in a lot of really, really high-level educational places, including USC. You know what you need to do at USC? Go to class and do your homework. You know what you need to do at UCLA? Go to class and do your homework. You know what you need to do at Northwestern? Go to class and do your homework. You know what you need to do at Eastern Illinois University? Go to class and do your homework. You know what you need to do at Cal State L.A.? Go to class and do your homework. You know what you need to do at Pasadena City College? Go to class and do your homework. 
show up. For those beyond the working world, you know what that means? Go to work. Even when you don't feel like it. Go to work. And do your work while you're there. Go to work and do your work. Show up. I'm telling you, show up, don't give up, and get fired up. These women are pretty good role models for life. You plug that into whoever you are. Being a husband, being a wife, being an employer, an employee, a college student, a high school student, a husband, a wife. Whatever. You plug it in. How do you have success in life? Show up, don't give up, and get fired up. And I'm telling you, you plug that into your life, friend, and your life will go a lot better. I hope you have a great Easter today. Don't eat too much. But enjoy all your time with your families and your friends and all the things that are going on. For Chris and myself, it is a joy and a privilege to be your servants. Have a great day.